0: Running the option on first down, Hagan has it, he has Rome, he's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley-Wright from the logo. got it! Oh, McKinley-Wright. Breaks a tackle, touchdown! Touchdown! That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tomlinson. Colorado is going to the end. three people down there the ball's up in the air caught touchdown caught by Westbrook for a touchdown i think they like my colorado sway when no minute play i don't really i don't really know just how to age and when no minute go you know i'm acting bad Holly get on bus with
1: my colorado sway my colorado sway hey everybody welcome into the BSN buffs podcast presented by canyon bakehouse I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase online and visit CanyonGlutenFree.com to grab a coupon. Welcome back. It has been a while since I've done a podcast. We taped the draft show on Thursday, so didn't record anything Friday, didn't record anything Saturday or Sunday, then yesterday, Monday was Labor Day, and so uh, the higher-ups at BSN decided that that would be a good time to transfer our podcast hosting, uh, I don't even know what that's called, whatever whatever it is that hosts the podcast, puts them all on the internet, whatever, uh, switch that to somewhere else, and so that took all day, so we decided to take Labor Day off, but we are back now, and we finally get to talk about what happened Friday night in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, before we jump too deep into the show, uh, I want to give you guys a pretty pretty basic breakdown of what we're going to be doing uh in the first segment i want to talk mostly about what's gone on the last couple of days because even though we didn't record a show i was up in boulder monday for uh, media availability talking to mel talking to terrence lang uh and then today we're up there and heard from lavisca Chenault, john van Deest mel tucker uh steven montez and mikhail onu uh at the press conferences so there's a bunch of somewhat interesting stuff that came out of these last couple days in Boulder. And so in the first segment, we're going to talk mostly about Nebraska-type stuff. And then in the second and third segments, we're going to jump back to Friday night's game and what went down at the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Um, One more big note on our Nebraska coverage tomorrow, Wednesday... Uh, I'm heading out to 6-0 Strength and Fitness in Centennial to have Matt McChesney on the show, but we have a bunch of other guests who will be out there with us, and it's going to be a wild time. I almost I think we might have five or six guests, former buffs, all, all sorts of different people with ties to the program. It's going to be a blast. I don't like to give away too many secrets about what we're going to do, but if you go check out McChesney's Twitter, he's been advertising this stuff for like a week or two. So that's going to be a blast. Lots of Nebraska uh, talk tomorrow. Lots of war stories. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, But now, time to talk about things that are my job to talk about things that I go up to boulders for so that I can go to media availability so that you guys don't have to do that stuff for yourself and listen because that's my job today um I think the biggest theme for this Nebraska week is that the buffs aren't talking you know you look at what Nebraska has been saying whether it's uh The defensive lineman who was saying you know, Nebraska was the better team last year actually said we were the better team last year. We should have won, even though he just transferred into Nebraska. He actually played with Arlington Hambright, uh, the current left tackle for the Buffs who transferred here this year. So it's kind of weird to hear him dropping that we. But that's not the point. The point is that Nebraska's been talking. You know, Scott Frost saying that Colorado is an ex-rival they haven't been they haven't been approaching this game the same way mel tucker has which is to say that you know i i really liked what he said today he said that you can't downplay the rivalry you can't just say it's another game you have to you have to let that fuel you you have to live up to the moment but at the same time there's no reason to be in the media saying you know we're going to beat the beat the hell out of these guys we're better for whatever reason they're you know that that media trash talk is something that mel tucker really isn't into i think this is something that we mentioned pretty early on in camp uh when mel said uh that he doesn't want his guys to trash talk and i think i can't remember if we wrote a story if it showed up in the camp notes as one of those little 300 400 word stories but the the key quote in that was talk with the pads you know, let, let your play do the talking. There's no reason to be talking to the opponent. That's all time that you could have spent watching films, studying. You know, if you're on the field getting ready for the next play, talking about what worked, what didn't work on the play before, he just doesn't think there's a place for it. And that's not a huge surprise given that he comes from the uh, Alabama Nick Saban school of thought. Same with Bill Belichick, who he worked with. Uh, he, he comes from a place that would lead you to believe that that is what that he what he would do. It's going to be so much fun though. It's going to be so much fun to get up to Boulder and see all those Nebraska fans. You know, we're hearing that the school's hoping that they're going to be able to keep it to 15,000 Nebraska fans in the seats, but outside the stadium, they're going to be they're going to be packing that place. We'll see what the numbers look like. You know, 15,000 to 50,000, that's like 30%. It could creep up toward that 50%. Mark, and that, that'd be a big problem. And actually, it was interesting to hear Steven Montez just openly say, we've played in loud environments before. If that crowd's loud, we'll be ready for it. Like, it's, it's something that I think that, the, the way he phrased that made me think that it's something that Mel Tucker has been talking about. Uh, uh, something that he does think is going to be, not, not an issue because of the way Steven Montez described it but something that they do need to be thinking about as they approach this game steven also steven had one of the greatest press conferences i think i've ever seen from a college kid you know we've talked a lot about his maturity and we actually got a comment in from uh b Bechter, 22 i pulled that off the top of my head we're uh, starting to get to know each other here but He commented on the last pod, and I'll just mention this now instead of reading it during the question segment because I want to use that as time to talk about CSU since there weren't other questions we need to talk about. But what B. Bechter said was when Stephen Montez threw up the frat sign, it was actually right after that fraternity had lost a brother. So that definitely changes things. It's more of a support than a invite me to your party, let me rep you, you know. That definitely does change things, and that is a very important note that I didn't realize. So thank you, b 22 for bringing that up. And honestly, that does kind of change the narrative on Steven Montez a little bit. But back to the press conference today. Steven, Steven did an incredible job. You know, he, he was asked about the talk from Nebraska. He was asked uh, about all that kind of stuff, whether, whether he wants to get into it, whether he uses it as fuel. And he kept his answer pretty short, and basically just said, "Here's the actual quote: They're talking enough for the both of us." Boom, perfect. You know that th- there is a little bit of a shot there, like like he is calling them out. He's saying it, but but that's just a fact. Like they're talking quite a bit. He doesn't feel like he needs to say anything back. He's not saying, "Oh, they're they were wrong. We beat them. We should have beat them. They're lucky." You know that kind of stuff. He stayed away. He just said, "They're talking enough for the both of us." Moved on incredible. And then he got pushed again on that same thing. Uh, It was actually Mark Kisla from the Denver Post who asked him, uh, who was the better team last year, Colorado or Nebraska? So that's a pretty pointed question right there. And it it stems from the the kid, the defensive lineman who transferred to Nebraska last year, or I guess this offseason to play this year, but wasn't there last year, who said that Nebraska was better last year and they should have won that game. That's, that's why Kisla asked the question who was better. And Stephen Montez said, actually he paused for a second. He thought about what he wanted to say. And he said, you guys are the ones who get to watch all the games. So you tell me again, just perfect. Not, a, not something he wants to talk about. He doesn't, you know, get upset. He gives a little bit of fire you know the, if, if you think back to like Peyton Manning when he was the Broncos quarterback, I, I know this is a stretch of a comparison, but but it was similar stuff where he, he just knows how to throw that quick little dig in right there, whether it's at Nebraska for talking so much, whether it's at Kisla for asking the question, he's got that down. It was really impressive to see how he handled himself in that press conference. And I think I did mention at that front range media day, where there's all the Colorado teams brought players and coaches to talk to the media. Steven Montez did a great job there, too. He really does have that part figured out. You know, we can argue, and we'll get into a little bit later what he looked like in that Rocky Mountain showdown, whether he's a pro prospect, that kind of stuff. But when we're talking media ability, Montez has the NFL skills down. Um,. Anything else we learned today? I think Mikhail Onu probably had the answer of the day when somebody asked, When did you learn that you aren't supposed to wear red on like during Nebraska week? Which is a pretty out there question. You know, you're kind of probing if there's there's a good chance he's gonna say, Well, I never really had a conversation. There's a good chance he doesn't have a, a, a real answer to that. You're kind of just throwing something out there and hoping that you hit, you know, you're, it's, it's a lottery ticket, but Mikhail had a great story. He said that on Sunday, he was going into the weight room and he was wearing a red, white, and blue shirt and a red hat. And he walked in and people were just giving him death glares. Everybody was wondering like, what's this guy doing? And he didn't get it. He didn't understand what anybody was talking about. And then eventually somebody came up to him and said, Mikhail why are you wearing that? And he's like, "What? why are you wearing red? And he said, well, it's just part of the shirt. And he said, you don't wear red in Nebraska week. And then after that, I forget where he said he went out to lunch, but he went to get lunch somewhere in Boulder and he walked in the door and everybody in the restaurant looked at him and <laughs> gave him that exact same. Why are you wearing red? Look, which is so great, which is what, college football is all about not wearing red this week you know you see the people on twitter who are blocking out the N in their in their uh, twitter handles and then not using ends when they type you know that's the fun stuff that's what builds the rivalry you know I, people took it too far i'm sure some of you saw this but you know last night there was a guy who replied to i think he replied to mcchesney actually and said something about how mccartney was giving his daughters out to recruits try to get them to commit and then they uh and then they have kids and die of cancer and finished it with that sal is dead go big red it's messed up stuff and you know that that happens in rivalries you know 90 you, percent uh, of the people are in that right place where it's We don't wear red. We don't use ends. We hate these guys. We see them in the parking lot, we're going to yell at them, but we're not going to take it any further than that. There are the people who go over the line, and I'm just glad that we haven't seen as many buffs doing that as we have Nebraska fans, because that's where things get gross, and that's where a fun rivalry can turn into something that really is not fun. That was a bit of a dark place we just took this to. So we're going to pull it back to just a little bit more uh, Nebraska talk. I know you guys want more, and I want to talk about Nebraska more too. I'm so excited. My first ever game at Folsom this Saturday. Uh, But there's going to be so much Nebraska talk tomorrow, and I have a feeling that that's going to be a long show. I mean, you guys remember when McChesney was on here. He talks so so much. And with those guests that we have planned, you know, it's – it's going to be something else and i'm really excited for you guys to get to hear what we've been working on a couple more notes before we move on one thing that i've really noticed is you know, when we've talked about this before the emphasis that mel tucker puts on uh, receivers blocking it's it's so much you know it started off early in camp when he said you know the way you judge a team's effort is based on how cornerbacks tackle and how wide receivers block. So it started there. He's dropped all these other lines about wide receivers blocking. And then this week, I asked him, when he he went back through the film, was there anything that really stood out to him more than he expected? And he said the receivers were blocking really well. And he goes off on how important that is. And, you know, a lot of it was really... Predictable. We understand why receivers are good. I mean, he did mention LaVisca specifically as a guy who, you know, he didn't get the ball thrown his way too much, but he did, uh, you know, he contributed, and it takes the selflessness, that kind of stuff. So a, a, a lot of that sort of talk. But then I noticed that uh, I think it was later that same day, later Monday, the Buffs tweeted out a video that was just a clip of the best blocks receivers made the entire game. And they'd gone through and edited, thrown names up there, uh, like highlighted, you know, all that they put a lot of work into this video that showed which receivers were blocking the best. And it, it's such an easy way to, to challenge the guys. See, this is the stuff that Mel Tucker's great at because I guarantee you Mel went to whoever's in charge of making that sort of thing and said, highlight the receivers who blocked well. And now that that's out there, it's it's going to double. You know, I'm not sure if you guys follow Katie Nixon or LaVisca Chenault on Instagram, but they're constantly filling their stories with everything that they can. You know, the the day, the two days after game day, there will be 20, 25 clips on these guys' Instagram stories. People are taking them, their own pictures they want to throw up there, all sorts of different stuff. And that's the part, you know, I talked to LaVisca about this a few weeks ago about this personal branding aspect of football and how it's not really what he's most interested in. You know, talking to the media, and he's been doing a great job. I've been really impressed today uh, for the last couple days with how well he's done. But he said the part that comes natural to him is social media, which makes sense, you know. He's, what, a 20-year-old kid, 21? Same thing with KD. They get that stuff. And if they're all over those videos of receivers blocking... That's one more thing that they get to pump out of their own social media, build their own brand, try to show, you know, if NFL scouts are looking, that's great. If it's just random people from draft Twitter, that's good too. just build that hype, build that brand because you never know which piece is going to be something that catches somebody's eye and makes them say, you know what? This is somebody we want on our football team. Now that they see that those videos are coming out, the receivers I'm sure will be blocking even better. Mel, has all of that sort of stuffed stuff locked down in a way that, from my understanding, past football coaches in Boulder have not. Uh, one more, more note on that. We kind of spiraled again. But uh, today, in the when when LaVisca was talking to the media after practice, and it was a big group. Usually it's the three or four of us out there at practice every day. And Mel acknowledges us, which always feels good. We get to the press conference where there will be 20, 25 people. And he'll walk in and be like, oh, it's not just the diehards today. Love that little pat on the back. See, because because that's what he's doing to me, too, to get me to keep coming out to practice. Which I'm actually skipping tomorrow to do this McCartney thing, and I feel really bad about. But there's going to be so much good content that comes out of that. I'm so excited for you guys to see all these guests. They're some big names. But uh, LaVisca did an incredible job today. You know, he was funny. He was answering questions. He... He's one of those guys, I was talking to Adam Munster-Tiger uh, after the after the after that media availability, so they do two players down after practice, and then a half hour, 45 minutes later, they do the full press conference up above. And so, LaVisca was part of the first two to talk down there. While we're waiting for the press conference, Adam and I were talking about how, you know, LaVisca's a guy, so When when you're doing a press conference, when you're asking questions, of football players of coaches there's a kind of like this implied why at the end of the question for example was there anything that jumped out to you in your film study of nebraska you know you you ask mel that question and it's like and what was that so he doesn't just say yes and move on and you know those are the highlights of the bill belichick press conferences where he just says yes and stops but there's this implied like and explain, go deeper. And Mel does a great job of that. That's something that LaVisca doesn't do naturally. So you ask him a question, it's kind of like he answers the question, but doesn't get too deep into the background of the question. But he has really come around in that regard and understood that we want to hear more out of him. We want to hear, we want deeper stories than just the top quick little things. He, he said a couple things like, uh, he actually said he loves Red, which, you know, isn't great. But he said, like basically, he likes wearing red. But this week, it's in the back of the closet so that he doesn't accidentally throw some on. He's improved so much in that regard. Uh, Nobody really throwing shots at all, which, from my perspective, obviously is a little disappointing. I mean, my biggest tweet today uh, that people were interacting with was the one of Steven saying, we, or they're talking enough for the both of us. So from a media perspective, you know, I would love for them to just say, nah, these guys are garbage. They got nothing. Why are they even ranked number 25? There's no reason for that. They aren't that good. They didn't win that many games last year. We won more games than them. We're better. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what is easy to write about. That's what's easy to tweet about. That's what's going to make this environment on Saturday so hostile. And that's something that I enjoy it's fun but for them it makes a lot of sense to just stay away from that and they did a great job of that today um it's time now to take a second and acknowledge the official beer of bsn denver and that's breckenridge brewery breckenridge is the original colorado beer established in 1990 in breckenridge colorado you've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter their oatmeal stout and most people's personal favorite The world-famous Avalanche, which is the classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. Make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Hey, guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Weinster is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that uh, a huge move for BSN Denver today. It's something that we've been excited about for a while. Uh, Andrew Mason is now a part of BSN Broncos, which is super exciting. If you guys are Broncos fans, I'm sure you followed Mace. Uh, he, he's he been on the radio. He worked for the Broncos for quite a while, I think 12 years, uh, doing digital stuff for them, where it's writing videos. Uh, He was on orange and blue 760. had a show with Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater. He's been one of the top Broncos media personalities for quite a while. And we're so excited to have him at BSN. Uh, Exciting time. Like I've said a few times recently at BSN so much coming, including bringing on Andrew Mason, which is super cool because he's a guy that I've looked up to for a long time. Back to buffs though. Um, I did also want to throw another note in here. The Buffs are undefeated in fall sports so far. Uh, Colorado Volleyball won their season-opening tournament this weekend, went 3-0 and undefeated, took home the title, which is exciting. Buff soccer is now 4-0. I had a chance to talk with head coach Danny Sanchez this afternoon and was really impressed. You know, it's a really exciting time for them with Taylor Korniak, who... As we've talked about before, so I'm going to make this quick. I mean, she's she's a senior midfielder, one of the best players in the country. Uh, six foot one, which is crazy to see on a soccer field. She was the captain of the U.S. Women's National Team U18 squad. She's a favorite to be on the full squad uh, here in the, co- in the future. Uh, J.J. Tompkins, the goalie, also a senior, one of the very, very best in the country. She's been killing it. Buffs beat Texas on Sunday. If you guys didn't watch that game, it was incredible. Uh, Buffs were up 2-1 at the very end. They get called for a penalty with one second on the clock. There's no stoppage time or anything in college soccer. So, girl from Texas lines up a penalty kick down one with one second on the clock. Puts it off the crossbar. Uh, JJ was totally there, though. I'm not sure if you guys saw my tweet, but she was totally, totally there if she had put that a little bit lower and it needed to be saved. Um, Texas was ranked number 24. They drop out of the rankings now. Uh, the Buffs went from three points in the rankings, which dropped today, to 26. They're now, I think, the sixth team out, so like 31st. Play Baylor this week, and they're the second team out. They play them Sunday. Next Thursday, they play Florida State, who was the number one but fell to number six. So the Buffs have a chance to make a move here and get... I mean, if they win those two games, they aren't just in the top 25. Like, they're top 15, top 10. And it's RPI that decides everything, and that doesn't come out for a while. But super exciting time. They're uh, playing in Boulder Thursday. They're playing in Boulder Sunday. That Baylor game on Sunday is going to be awesome. Hopefully I'll see some of you out there, because I am now totally bought into Buff soccer because it's been such a blast to watch. Football, though. And I know that that's probably what most of you are here for. Uh, And so let's talk about that Rocky Mountain Showdown. I had so much fun. You know, it's work. And you have to think of it as work. And I was walking around. I left the Broncos Stadium at 4.30 after that game. I got there at 4 in the afternoon. It was a long, long day. But... It was a lot of fun, you know, getting down on the field, seeing LaVisca warm up on an NFL field and thinking, wow, he is better than anybody who played in that last preseason game for the Broncos on this same field. And it is so obvious. You know, when he's warming up, same thing with KD. I was amazed by KD's hands. You know, you see LaVisca go up and just, you know, over the shoulders, make a one handed catch, just jump. It's 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 silly how easy it looks for him to do that kind of stuff. But KD has that type of type of hand, too. And he he dropped a couple of those one-handed tries, but not many. And for somebody who's, what, 8, 7 inches shorter than LaVisca with much smaller hands, I assume, that's really impressive. Just watching these guys warm up is so cool. And they are extremely, extremely talented. You don't get to see that stuff up close during camp uh, because the open practices, you're up in the bleachers, but to just be on the end line seeing that, it's pretty cool. And then obviously everybody from Denver Sports is around, you know, Phil was wandering around the sideline, uh, Vaughn Miller, Bradley, Chubb, uh, Bull Bowl was there, Monte Morris was there. Uh, a bunch of people from the media who I've been following for a while and got to meet after a long time of watching them or listening to them or reading their work. So that part was pretty cool for me. Uh, yeah, great environment. I kind of want to see another football game in Denver, another Rocky Mountain Showdown in Denver, and I know I'm in the minority in that. And maybe, maybe the Boulder atmosphere is just way better, but that is a really cool place to hold a college football game. And it's an environment that is totally different than anything that I've ever seen before. So I understand why it's really bad for the Buffs, but... I think you have to acknowledge that that is a very fun game to be at. And when I rank that, did I put it at the bottom? I put it toward the bottom of my list of games to see this year. That was wrong. That should have been quite a bit higher. Enough about me, though. Time to talk about what actually happened in the game. And the Buffs won is the important news. Uh, 5231. 52-31. It was close, longer than I think the Buffs wanted. I think longer than the Buffs fans wanted. Um, CSU really hung around, and for a while, I don't know if they looked like the better team, but that offense was clicking. Uh, It wasn't until they started turning the ball over that the Buffs were really able to separate. You know, there's a lot of very broad takeaways we could go through, but I think it's time to just pick something and talk about it so let's start with steven montez steven didn't have the type of game that i think he could have i think he could have played much better he missed some passes he shouldn't have missed at the same time i don't think it was a game that hurt his draft stock by any means and not that that's what we care about when we're talking about the buff success this season, but I think that that's a pretty easy way to gauge his performance as we go through the season, whether his draft stock is going up or down. You know, it's a simple metric. And I think that it stayed in about the same spot. He made the tough throws look easy. He made the easy throws look tough. He was fitting the ball in windows. The touchdown to Tony Brown was beautiful, just dropping it over his shoulder. There were a bunch of highlight plays. There was also a third down. Uh, I think it was a third and four. He had uh, Jaron Mangum in the flat. And Jaron was wide open. And Montez missed him. Just threw it over his head. He didn't have a chance. You got to clean that up for the buffs to make noise this season. And that's something we've talked about. I think we talked about before the game, actually, that that's something you have to clean up for the buffs to make noise. It isn't something you necessarily have to clean up to get drafted. Because young quarterbacks make mistakes. And he's going to get drafted for his potential. And as long as he keeps showing that upside, somebody's going to take a chance on him. Those mistakes aren't going to hurt him quite as much. If he cleans those up, then all of a sudden he's rocketing up draft boards. Because it is so rare to have a consistent college quarterback. I think that's the general takeaway. I think he got a little better as the game went on. The stat line, 13 of 20, 232 yards, two touchdowns, no sacks, no interceptions. Solid. There's room for improvement, though, and I think that he knows that, and I really do think he has that in him. I think that it's his first game in a new system. It's going to take some time for everything to slow down, but I really do think that he has, he'll at least have games this year where he takes it to a whole nother level, something that we haven't seen out of him before, or maybe want to go back to like that Oregon game when he was first, starting for the buffs or first came in for the buffs. Um moving on though to that offensive line. I said this before the showdown, but when I was taking notes from last year's showdown getting ready to start talking about the buffs every day, I noted that the offensive line was throwing the Rams around. And that wasn't totally the case this year, but I mean they were clearly better than the Rams defensive line and I think that's pretty obvious um zero sacks allowed huge that makes things so much easier on Steven Montez gives him a chance to stand in the pocket something that I was pretty impressed by in his game that he was able to just stand there he didn't really look like he had those happy feet that he's had in in the past that's exciting uh offensive line is a big reason why I would assume and hopefully they can keep him upright all season the running game again very strong Alex Fontenot, 19 carries, 127 yards, three touchdowns. That's uh, 6.6 yards per carry. Very, very good. Um, he showed the burst. He showed the vision. Uh, he was bouncing off tacklers. And the bouncing off tacklers is the one thing, again, a conversation with Adam Munster-Tiger where we spend a lot of time talking about whether that's something he can do against better defenses defenses with players who are bigger and faster and stronger and are better at tackling than the Mountain West team that the Buffs just played? That's a question. But what we can say for sure is that he was an animal on Friday. You know, the second touchdown run, he gets hit. It looked pretty square uh, in the thighs, straight on. Uh, I think it was like a 13, 14-yard touchdown run. Um, yeah, 14 yards, about seven yards into it. He takes that hit, stumbles, puts his hand in the ground to catch himself. Apparently that's a drill that they've been doing. Steven said that that's a drill the running backs do, catching themselves with their hands. And it paid off because he caught himself, regained his balance and got into the end zone. The balance was what was special. Then you go to his third touchdown, a 22 yarder. Uh, the one that honestly kind of put this game away, you know, it wasn't over. But it put the buffs up 45-31, turned it from a 7-point game to a 14-point game with 9 minutes to play. Um, He did the same thing, except he did it twice. I don't know that he needed to put his hand in the ground to catch himself, but he had the balance to bounce off tacklers, and that's pretty impressive. You know, Jaron Mangum uh, was kind of the number 2 back. He had 11 carries. So, remember, Fontenot had 19. So, what is that? Uh, Basically... Two to one work for Fontenot, a little less than that. But Mangum had his touchdown as well. He finished runs. He fell forward, and that's big stuff. You you hope that Fontenot can keep bouncing off tacklers, but if he can't, you know that Mangum is going to be a guy who should be able to keep running him over, at least like pulling an extra yard out of every run. Wasn't a great game for Mangum by any means, but it wasn't bad, especially for an 18-year-old kid. Uh, Deion Smith broke a 55-yarder, uh, ended up with two carries for 54 yards. The other one went backwards. That's what we've been talking about. He's their big play back. He's the guy who can break those runs, and he happened to do it in his first chance. That's exciting. Uh, Impressive stuff from the running game. Steven Montez, throw him on there. Five carries, 39 yards, a little under eight per carry. That's what he does. You want to keep him in that, I think, that 30-35 range, and you're feeling pretty good about his contributions in the running game. Again, though, Rocky Mountain, or not Rocky Mountain Showdown, Mountain West opponent, not like Nebraska, who they're playing next week. So we'll see if that translates. That's the one part that I really am concerned about translating. The passing game, Katie Nixon, or not Katie Nixon, LaVisca Chenault didn't do what we're used to seeing him do. He he contributed rushing yards. I think he had something. He was in the 30s, 35, 38 rushing yards, something like that. But three, carry, or three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. Touchdown was beautiful. He said after the game that he didn't think he was going to be able to catch up with that ball. He forgot that he was a freak athlete and can do whatever he wants. And he caught a 25-yard touchdown to put the buffs up 24-21 just before halftime. It's a huge play. He's a huge player. They went to him when they had to. You know, they. I, I really do think that the Buffs are saving some stuff for Nebraska. I think that that's obvious. It shouldn't be a shock to hear me say that. But uh, if you're Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Buffs, as soon as you take the job... No, it's, it's before that. It's as soon as you start to think you might be interested in this job, you start drawing up plays for LaVisca Chenault. That's the fun part. Coming up with these fun things to do with LaVisca creative things to do with LaVisca. How can you get him the ball, let him contribute when everybody on the defense is looking at him? Jay Johnson's a smart guy. He's probably spent more time trying to answer that question than any other question about this Buffs offense. I'm sure he has a package. Very sure that he has a package just for LaVisca Chenault that he really didn't pull anything out of except for maybe that fourth down end around uh, run where LaVisca picked up the first down. That's something that the Buffs probably didn't want to have to pull out, but they did. LaVisca played half the snaps. You know, next week is going to be a lot different. I, I, I'm I very confident in that. Um, They didn't need him. I think, you know, Mel Tucker said after the game that he was impressed by the depth, and I really think that this was supposed to be a game to show off how many options the buffs have, try to scare teams away from just doubling, tripling LaVisca so that they can keep using him because that still will always be the best option for the buffs. Finding a way to get LaVisca Chanel the ball. They prove, though, that they don't have to, that they have other looks, that they can beat teams other ways. So we're going to talk about some game-changing coffee before we come back and talk a little bit more about the buffs. Uh, Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you will get it shipped straight to your door. Back in, wrapping up our Rocky Mountain Showdown talk, and I honestly have a lot left to say, and we're already on pace to go a little bit long, so we'll see what happens. But... To keep talking about this passing game, Lavisca Chenault. He we forgot to mention that he did draw those pass interferences. He should have had another, but lost the ball in the lights. You're never gonna have ball or lights that high in that big ring around him again. Well, he will next year when he's playing in the NFL, but that's not a problem. That's a play he's going to make. Luckily, it doesn't really matter against Colorado State because the Buffs are three touchdowns better than Colorado State is. That's enough with the LaVisca Chenault, though. And we should note, he was still their second leading receiver. 48 yards puts him ahead of Brady Russell, who was number three with 44. Katie Nixon was number four with 29. Tony Brown was the leading receiver. Three catches, 71 yards. Long of 38. He lived up to the hype. You know, he's somebody they've been talking up. The Buffs have been talking up. We want to talk about Dimitri Stanley. We want to talk about (laughs) Vontae Chenault. We want to talk about Jalen Jackson, all these young guys, because, you know, the young guys are exciting. These are people who are going to be on this Buffs football team for three more years after this. And if they show they can contribute now, huge. And I guess Tony Brown isn't a guy who has been a huge contributor over the last few years. That hasn't been his job. He is this year, though. He is ready. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He runs good routes, he has great hands. And he's going to be that third, fourth option for the Buffs. And he showed why. He showed why on Friday. He's a playmaker. He can block. He does all the things that you want a veteran receiver to be able to do. Somebody who can come on the field when, you know, LaVisca's on the sideline, when Katie's on the sideline. It's good for the Buffs to show that. It's good for the Buffs to make other teams scared so that they don't just sag off him. And I guess, you know, there are advantages to that. But at the end of the day, Tony Brown still probably isn't the guy who you want to be going to in late-game situations. If you can make the defense focus on him just a little bit more and open up Katie or LaVisca, that's even better than having the defense sagging off of Tony more and opening him up in those late-game situations. He's going to be a big-time contributor, though. I think that that's what's really obvious. And it's something that we've been hearing, too. Another storyline that we've been hearing but maybe we didn't really buy into early on was that the re- or that the tight ends would be featured as receivers in this offense. Brady Russell, two catches, 44 yards, actually came on back-to-back plays. I wonder when the last time the Buffs had a tight end make catches on back-to-back plays. And I wonder when the last time they totaled 44 yards. I mean, when you're talking about two pl- two plays... 44 yards for receiver. It it we could be going back ten years, twenty like Daniel Graham era. That's exciting to see. You know, Jalen Harris, I think early on before those two plays from Brady Russell, I thought that he had really solidified himself as the receiving tight end because he was making plays too. There was a point in this game where uh Brady and Uh, Jalen were the two leading receivers for the Buffs that's pretty cool and that's really new and I don't think that that's an outlier I think that that's something that the Buffs are going to try to do going forward whether those two can keep getting open like they did against Colorado State when they're actually playing you know, Nebraska or Pac-12 competition who knows, you gotta see it but it is exciting and they did what they could given the situation part of the reason that they had the opportunity to catch those passes was that the Buffs were running quite a few two tight end sets. It was our first chance to really see the Buffs play uh, with a real offense. Obviously, you you see a little bit uh, in the spring, you see a little bit at the open practice, but you don't know how everything's really going to fit together. And it's still going to change, and it was still pretty vanilla, but we did see quite a few of these two tight end sets. We saw some pistol. We uh, saw more pro-style offense. We didn't see many of those little screens. We saw a couple, but that's because there's always going to be a couple. And any offense that doesn't run a single bubble screen in 2019 isn't going to go very far because that's just where football is. That's a play that you need in your playbook. It just shouldn't be the featured play. It shouldn't be the go-to. You know... We saw we saw receivers in motion. We saw all sorts of stuff from this offense that I really liked, and I'm really excited to see more of as we move into uh, some more challenging games for the Buffs, because this feels like an offense that can it can it can work when you don't have the talent advantage, which just isn't true with what the Buffs were running last year where it's, we're going to have two blockers lined up against two of your defenders. We're going to hope that we win those two matchups. And then we're going to get LaVizca the ball and hope that he can beat whatever defenders left over on that side of the field to tackle him. And we're going to start him three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's just really tough to do consistently and do well consistently when you're playing talented competition. And I'm glad they're getting away from it. Turn this game into a chess match. Try to outsmart the other teams. Because that's something I really do believe that Jay Johnson can do. And it's something that I also believe Chris Kapilovic, their run game coordinator, can also do. Excited to see more from this offense. Again, it is against Colorado State. So everything you do have to take with a grain of salt, Nebraska is going to be a challenge. Nebraska's really going to be a challenge. but But... Laviska, it's going to get more run, and that's going to help. And the Buffs, I truly do believe, were keeping some serious parts of their offense uh, up their sleeve. They didn't want to show everything, and they didn't have to show almost anything. The defensive side of the ball now, it's, it's a... You know, we're going to start by saying I, I was not impressed. There were highs. There were lows. You know, you can look at the four turnovers they pulled, which is exciting, and it's something that, you know, I think they deserved. Mikael Onu made a couple great plays. John Van Deest had the sack to uh, set up the Mustafa Johnson fumble recovery touchdown. You know, they were making plays. They earned the ball on those four turnovers. It wasn't just gimme stuff. It wasn't luck. But at the same time, they gave up 505 yards of total offense. Can't be doing that against Colorado State. It's a new scheme. The secondary did not look like it had everything down. Talking to McHale today, he, he was honestly happy that they had a chance to talk about it so that they could kind of see what happens when they play a game, what works, and what the real problem spots were, so that they could talk. You know, McHale's a super bright guy. He's 21, and he's in grad school. Uh, Aaron Maddox, I've said before, is a very bright guy. Delric Abrams, you know, I had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Uh, he, uh, he was waiting to talk to some reporter, and the reporter was interviewing somebody else. I had finished my interviews, and so I was just hanging out with him five or ten minutes, we got to chat. He's a smart guy. He gets football. We were talking about some of the other matchups. He had some great takes on some football games. I wish I remember what they were. I'll think through those. Um, (laughs) But he's a bright guy. Makai Blackman, very talented. Uh, Also, smart guy. This is a group that I do think is going to figure it out. It's just a question of how long it takes. Because if they play like they did on Friday that's that's not going to be good enough they are not going to be able to slow down that nebraska offense the Buffs were super vanilla on defense as well you know they were playing in that base three four they didn't get they didn't use the star much i didn't i don't know that i saw the money at all at least i don't remember seeing uh somebody lined up in a money position That'll change. You know, that has to change. Davion Taylor did not play much at all, which was surprising. You know, he got a couple snaps early. I don't know why. I haven't heard why. But I don't think that that's something that's going to continue. I think that he will be a big piece of the game plan against Nebraska. I think there's a good chance that he's the guy they throw... Uh, in into spy Adrian Martinez. I think that they could put him kind of in, a, in that money position, that money position being inside linebacker, safety hybrid. Think of when, you know, in the NFL, Tyron Matthew moves down in the box. He was one of the first to do it. Derwin James now will move into the box quite a bit. He's that safety who's playing an inside linebacker position, and that just fits Davion Taylor's game perfectly. I think that he will be the guy there. I haven't, I, I should say, that's not something that I've heard from anybody. That's a guess. Uh, But I, I think that he's probably who you want spying Adrian Martinez. And so he will see more time on the field. I wonder if they're almost protecting him. You know, not letting him get hurt, not letting, not as much letting the other team see him, but just giving him a chance to rest up, make sure he's totally healthy when he's asked to mirror Martinez around the field. Which is a challenge. Uh, again, very basic defensive schemes. A couple big problems. The first being, like we talked about, the secondary. They didn't really know, like what, like they looked like they were knew what they were doing, which is concerning. You know, and coverage everywhere. You know, Nate Landman missed a couple plays. Everybody missed a couple plays. It was just one of those games. And at the end of the year, that's not going to be happening with Nate. He's. He's better than that. He missed one tackle where he it looked like he slipped a little bit, gave up a first down on third down. That's going to get cleaned up. That's rust. That's just what happens when you don't tackle too much in camp. You don't bring guys to the ground. Uh, I'm not worried about the tackling as much because that's something that will be fixed. And I think it will be fixed soon. The question is just how long does it take for the coverage to improve. Uh, in the run game, though... There were some problems. Um, they could not defend the edge at all. The bus just gave up so much, so 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 much at the edge of the defense. They couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't hold him in there. It's like uh, Dante Wright, three carries, fifty nine yards. He torched them. True freshman running back for Colorado State, just a little speed guy run a stretch play, let him cut up field after he hits the end of the uh, offensive line, he's gone. Uh, he Four catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Similar plays. You know, getting him to the edge, just letting him run. Defense couldn't do anything about it. That's got to get cleaned up. That's just sloppiness. That's not something that should happen. You know, when we talk about the uh, troubles picking up What's a, what's happening with the scheme? What everybody's job is? That's tough stuff to learn. Being able to hold the edge of a defense is something that these guys, these defensive linemen, uh, outside linebackers, whoever's asked to be uh, in that spot, that's something that they've been doing since they were playing football in fourth grade. <laughs> you know that's not new, and it needs to improve that's a little concerning, but again, something that should be easy to fix unless this defensive line just doesn't have it. And there's a chance that that's the case. You know, Mustafa Johnson is one of the best defensive linemen in the Pac-12, but outside him, some question marks. Guys who have a lot of potential, guys who I'm excited to see play more. You know, I thought Terrence Lang played very well. Uh, He had the one sack. The Buffs only had two sacks. The pass rush needs to improve as well. But his sack was the one where he chased Colin Hill out of the pocket. Um, actually missed the tackle on the sideline. But Hill's momentum carried him out of bounds, which counts as a sack. Uh, Lang had, I think he had another pressure. He might have had both of the other pressures. I can't remember exactly. It's what happens when you don't record a podcast for three days after the game. But uh, Alex Changham, he's a guy who's gotten a lot of hype through camp. Jalen Sami's gotten a lot of hype because he's a great prospect, he's a big guy. I still think there's a lot of potential. They just weren't what they need to be. And you know, the low sack numbers, the low hurry numbers, part of that comes from the offense that Colorado State was running, which is a pro-style offense built off of stretch runs and the play action off of those stretch runs. Um so when When Colin Hill's running those bootlegs, getting out of the pocket, it makes it much, much more difficult to rush the passer. uh, Because he isn't where you're trying to get. Because when you're lined up as a pass rusher, you're thinking, how do I collapse this pocket? How do I get around this guy and get into this spot, you know, seven yards or something, five yards behind the center? As soon as he leaves the pocket, game plan changes. All of a sudden, you're trying to get off the block and just chase him down, which is very difficult to do because it gives him a chance to get rid of the ball. Just throw it away. Partially explains the low sack numbers, but still, the pass rush was bad, and he had too much time even when he was in the pocket. We'll see if that changes. Um, the only other real offensive threat that I was concerned by was... Uh, Warren Jackson, the Colorado State receiver, eight catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Long of 29. You know, he was just kind of consistently picking the buffs apart on those bootlegs. You know, they had a tight end who was doing the same thing. He'd roll out with a quarterback. Quarterback throws it a couple yards upfield. They pick something up when they probably shouldn't have been able to get anything. You know, Delrick Abrams had a bit of a tough night. Uh, He was, all, he was on Warren Jackson a lot, and didn't stop as many passes as I think that he can. And I think that he will going forward. I think that that's most of the concerns. Problems in special teams as well. Coverage was bad. Um, yeah, coverage is bad. I guess that's all we need to say. I think that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, super exciting to have football season finally here, to have something real to talk about, something to evaluate. And then we can see what's what's ahead. Um, which is Nebraska. And I'm so excited to go through this whole week with you. I'm so excited to have you guys here, all these guests that we have planned for tomorrow, some big names. Uh, Time to go watch The Gospel According to Mac, which is an amazing 30 for 30. And it's Nebraska week. And we won't get another one of those for a couple years. So have a lot of fun with this. But don't be a jerk because we're going to let the Nebraska fans be a jerk. That's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, Subscribe. Give us five stars on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you listen. I don't know if you can even rate podcasts other places than iTunes. Really appreciate it. Uh, Tell your friends about us. Let's get this community going. Uh, It's football season. I'm feeling pretty good about what we're building here at BSM Buffs, and I hope that you guys are enjoying the content. we got more on the way. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, guys.
0: 180 speed and Competition. and see you later, baby. baby. Colorado yeah. Army with soldiers like the Navy yeah. and boat where we station patiently awaiting Boy. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging As the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes. I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna get hit ya Hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official sure. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle <laughs> And we playing with ya You can get it any time Down team at the I team. think they like my it. Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. man I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. Have you ever seen a ring? I'm Boulder, Colorado Buffalo is what I am All the teams, come and follow well. My colorado swing, my colorado swing, my night swear I think I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, oh really know just how to act And when I'm in it go you know I'm acting bad Holly a boss with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway Mine I swear I think they like my Colorado sway